So I want us to look at a statement in that one verse this morning. Um, Bethlehem, you who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. Let me explain what that means. So when Joshua went into Canaan and conquered Canaan, after they were done with their conquering, they took some time to divide up the land amongst the tribes of Israel. And within the tribes, there were clans. And so Joshua would say, so from this area to this area to this boundary to this boundary, this area of land goes to the tribe of Benjamin. And then within that area, they would divide up the cities and specific smaller areas to the clans within the tribe. When Bethlehem was given, it was given to the tribe of Judah. But when you go and look at the tribe of Judah being given its land, nowhere is Bethlehem ever even mentioned. And so when it says it's too little to be among the clans of Judah, what that means is that it was so insignificant it wasn't even worth mentioning as property that really belonged to anyone. It would be similar in our world. Let's say we were to divide up the area and give it to somebody here. And when talking about who gets what, we would say, you know, Derby goes here, Rose Hill goes here, Hayesville goes here, um, Winfield goes here, Belle Plaine goes here. And then somebody's like, well, but, but what about Udall? like, well, Udall's doesn't really count. It's not really, it's not, it's not really a place. It's not really worth mentioning. So if, if you don't know what Udall is, that's my point. That is my point. Udall is a real city about 12 miles from here that seven people live in. So Here's the point, though. This is real similar to how Bethlehem was kind of considered. It just, you know, we're going to divide up the land, and we're going to say what clans of Judah get certain places. Bethlehem's not even mentioned. And I want us this morning to really hone in on that, and I I, want to attempt to answer the question, out of all the places on the planet that God would choose for his own son to be born, why would he choose a place like Bethlehem? If it were our land, and this is where, right, you know, Christ was to be born, out of all the places, why Udall? This is, the, this is what the Bible's teaching us about Bethlehem. It's like, it's not, it wasn't even worth mentioning, and yet this is where God would have his son to be born. So often we ask the question, is anything too big for God? When we're thinking about our problems, when we're thinking about hurdles, when we're thinking about mountains that seem impossible to overcome. If you've ever been in church any length of time, you've heard that question, is anything too big for God? 
I want to ask the question this morning, is anything too little for God? Is there anything that is so small that it's insignificant to God? Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Now it's important because the scriptures were fulfilled that he was born in Bethlehem. But it was by the divine hand of God. Like God, there wasn't some happenstance. God foretold it so that it would help us identify a son, but Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph, they didn't even live there. Like the perfect timing for a census to be given where Joseph would have to go back to Bethlehem, this little tiny town where he would be counted. He takes his wife with him. She ends up giving birth there because it's just the perfect timing of, of her due date. All of this, clearly the distinct hand of God in bringing it to pass, why did God want his son to be born to enter this earth in a place that everybody else saw as so small and so insignificant, it wasn't even worth mentioning. This morning, I want us to focus on the seemingly insignificant detail of Bethlehem's insignificance. Why is it called Little Bethlehem? What is God teaching us, and why did God choose to send His Son there to be born? There are three things this morning I want us to note. Number one, God takes special interest in the little things. God takes special interest in the little things. It's not just that God notices the little things. It's not just that what we don't look at, God looks at. No, hear me. God takes special interest in the little things. These are the things that his eyes are on. Remember the story of David and Goliath. You'll find it in 1 Samuel chapter 17. We have this giant of a man, and it's not just that David was smaller than the giant. That's not just what's significant. Everybody was smaller than the giant. But David, he was still a teenager. He was still young enough, he wasn't considered a man for battle. In fact, the only reason David knows about Goliath is because he's bringing lunch to his brothers who are part of the army. And you know the story. David hears that Goliath is mocking Israel, and David says, you know, could, why, why is this giant being allowed to mock? Everybody's like, David, go home. And David says, no, I want to fight him. David comes to Saul. Saul tries to put his armor on David. And you know the story. David was what? Too little for Saul's armor. Didn't work. So David takes it off. And what does David go to battle with? A sling and five smooth stones. And God would take one tiny, tiny stone and the sling of, a, of either a very young man or a teenage boy, more likely. And would drive that in to the giant's skull and he would fall down and ultimately have his head cut off. Because little is much when God is in it. You're going to hear me say that repeatedly this morning. And, and this is the truth. 
I could stop there and that's the sermon. The problem is, trust me when I tell you this, we don't tend to get it that quickly. We actually have a very hard time believing that little is much. In this culture of grand production, of packed stadiums, of things that go viral, with mil- you know, accounts that have millions of followers, we truly struggle to believe that little is much when God is in it. We know the statement. It sounds very Christian-y. It's easy to amen, but you will find, brothers and sisters, we actually struggle to believe that God cares about the little things. But God repeatedly teaches us this through His Word. Remember the story of uh, Gideon and his battle against the Midianites? If you're familiar with the story, you know that God shrinks Gideon's army down to a very small group of people. But one of the things that's often missed in the story is that at the starting point, Gideon has 32,000 men, and the Midianites have 120,000. It's already a four-to-one ratio, not in favor of Israel. God says it's still not a big enough discrepancy. Israel, your army is still too big. And so God tells Gideon to let everybody go home that's scared. 20,000 go home. Leave 12,000 there. Now we got 12,000 against 120. That's a 10 to 1 ratio. God says, eh, it's still too much. Send them down to the water, and only those who pull up the water with their hands and drink from their hands, that's, that's who I'm going to have you go to war with. When it's all said and done, there's only 300. 300. Now you have a ratio of about 400 to 1. And God says, this is who I'm going to send to battle. In Judges chapter 7, God gives Gideon an explanation. He actually tells Gideon, here's why I'm doing this, Gideon. And it helps us understand something about God. It's very important. Look what God says in Judges 7-2. The Lord said to Gideon, the people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand. Lest Israel boast over me. Saying, My own hand has saved me. God gives us some insight to why God is focused on the little things. It's interesting that we start with a one to four ratio. That seems like an impossible battle, right? But God understands something. He says, no, trust me. That group of prideful morons go to battle, and I give them the battle, even though they're outnumbered four to one, they're going to come out of there thinking like, oh, we did this. He knows something about us. He knows something about people. He says, no, we've got to get this thing dwindled down to the point that nobody on earth could take credit for this thing. We see why God is concerned about the little things. Why he focuses so much on the little things? Because it's through those little things that God's greatness is on most display. It's not through the big events. It's not through, it's, it's not through the great big 
wow moments of life that God is normally working. It is in the little things. Little is much when God is in it. Whether it's Jesus feeding 12,000 people with the lunch of one boy. Whether it's Jesus trying to teach his disciples this principle when, they, when, when, a, when a widow puts in what's called the widow's mite, equivalent to about a nickel. It's all that she had. And Jesus says that which she gave is greater, it's more than what everyone else gave. Jesus is focused on the little things. Christ was born in Bethlehem in a manger. Let that sink in. We focus on the manger and forget how little Bethlehem was. As if it's not enough, right, to be born in Udall. But there was no room in Udall? Like, as if that wasn't humbling enough, and if that wasn't small enough, we're, we're going to go there to be born and be born in a manger. And I tell you something, folks, it truly, truly, it takes spiritual discernment and some revelation of the Holy Spirit to understand what God's trying to teach us here. Because we reject this as people, generally speaking. We do not want to believe that God's more concerned about the little things. We do not want to believe that God works in the little things. We think all big, great big production, great big this, great big that. Those are the things that, that God's really concerned about. Nothing could be further from the truth. God is concerned about the little things. So what's the lesson to us? Bethlehem was chosen by God. Why? Rome. Rome at the time was like the chief political court. It would have been the best choice politically. It would have been similar to Washington, D.C. here in America. Jesus wasn't born there. Jerusalem, obviously the chief religious choice. Jesus wasn't born there. Athens, this place of great you know, philosophical debate and openness. And, nope, Jesus wasn't born there. Instead, Bethlehem, no prestige, no pomp, plain and simple. That's where Jesus was born. So what's the lesson? First of all, trust me when I say this, if that was the heart of God then concerning His Son, it is still the heart of God today. Malachi 3.6 says, For I, the Lord, do not change. And concerning His Son, Jesus Christ, Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. We need to get it settled, brothers and sisters. God is focused on the little things. The things that we have our eyes on are not the things he has his eyes on. The things that impress us are not the things that impress him. We have to know that. We want to get our eyes and our hearts focused on the same thing that God's eyes and God's heart is focused on. And I'm telling you, it's the little things.
God works through situations that seem small. God works with people that seem unimportant. God works in the things that we deem are unimportant. You know, this means that God is interested in you. You as an individual, God is interested in you. There is nobody that is unimportant to God. You might feel unimportant to the people in your life. You might feel unimportant in this great big world. But you need to understand something. There is nobody that is insignificant to God. There is nobody whose life is too little to matter to God. God takes special notice of the little things. Knowing this, we also need to do everything that we do as if we are doing it unto the Lord. It's the little things that matter most. In Colossians 3, 23 verses, uh, or 3, verses 23 through 24, it says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So, in this letter written to the New Testament church, here's what it says. Everything that you do matters. Let everything that you do, don't do it as if you're doing it to men, but rather as if you're doing it to God. When you look at the context of that verse, it's literally saying this. Don't be a good employee to impress your boss. Like you work hard as if you're working for the Lord. Children, don't just obey your parents because they're your parents, but do what you do as if you're doing it for God. Husbands, don't just be good husbands because God told you to. Rather, do what you do as if you were doing it for God. Wives, don't just yield to your husband and try to be who God wants you to be because that's what God said, but do it as if you are doing it for God. And when we see it in this context, everything we do is significant. And I would, I would say it this way. It's not just that everything that we do is significant, but I would say it this way. It's the little things we do that are most significant. That if God is focused on the little things, that's what matters to him most. And if God is focused on the little things, and that's what matters to him most, brothers and sisters, that is what should matter to us most. I want to encourage you, especially during this Christmas season, which we as Americans have been masters at turning into a great big event. I just want to encourage you, especially this week, in light of these truths, be thankful for the small things in your life. Be thankful for the families you have, the friends you have, your Christian brothers and sisters, a God who simply longs to be with you every day, friends to laugh with, food to eat, shelter for warmth, a God who loves you, salvation that is simple. Number two this morning, second lesson for us, let us look for ways to become little. Let us look for ways to become little. 
If God focuses on the little things, then let us become little. If God is not impressed and God is not focused on the great big things that the whole world is focused on, let's not become that. Let's stay or become, if you will, little in our own eyes, in the eyes of the world, ultimately because God has his eye on the humble. We need a real Christmas, a birthplace. But I ask the question again, where was Jesus born? The quiet, still, humble, small, plain and simple town of Bethlehem. That's where Jesus is born. And you'll find that Jesus is not born in any other type of heart. It's not until we come to realize we are absolutely nothing. We have nothing special to offer God. We are really nothing than a little Bethlehem that nobody knows anything about, but somehow God cared enough to want His Son to be born there. And God says, well, just take it a little bit further, Son. You're getting there. You're a stinking manger that really smells like dung. And, you, and you're, real, you're not good for the world. You're not, but I love you. And when you realize who you are and realize that God still loves you, and, and, and we're willing to be humble and, and be honest about who we are, you'll find that that's where God works, folks. We must learn to become little. I'm going to share something with you that I shared with the first service. And, you know, uh, I hope it comes across right because God, you know, God knows my heart in this matter. I don't want to say anything that would like elevate me. But it's important that we become little. And what I'm telling you with my hand held to heaven is a principle that God's put in my heart many, 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 many years ago. This is not something new. This is not something that is like new on Joplin's heart. No, this is something years ago the Lord showed me. So first of all, on one hand, I know that we've had a very successful ministry. I've watched us launch a church from 12 folks that's grown to what it is today. God has opened doors for me, Joplin Emerson travel all around the world and tell people about God and tell people about my story. Years ago, I began doing this, and, and I, as far as I know, I believe with all my heart, I'll do it all the days of my life. When God opens doors for me to go certain places, there, I love being in the mountains. And one of the things I will typically try to do is I'll try to get to a high point on a mountain where I'm overlooking a valley. Or when I'm near the ocean, I will try to get to the ocean in the morning or at the end of the day, and I'll walk the ocean, and I'll look out where you can't see anything except water. And I will remind myself just how tiny I am. Just how small my life really is. It's a very important discipline. I used to go to the top of the stadium here, uh, Panther Stadium, and they just built a new stadium, right, in the last couple of years. 
It's a great stadium, and I'm a Panther fan, and I think the stadium's amazing. I did find it a tad bit annoying that once the stadium was built, all of a sudden they wouldn't let people in anymore except for, you know, the eight times a year they play football there. But you used to be able to go in the stadium, and I would go all the way to the top of those stands. I did this, I I don't want to say hundreds of times, but maybe. And I would like to go at night, and I would get up to the very top of those stands where I could kind of see over the tree line in Derby, and I could see all the lights in Derby and get a better feel for how big Derby is. You know what I would remind myself? The three to 400 people who show up here every Sunday morning to hear me are a tiny, tiny little fraction of the people in this town. That's the influence that I've got. Tiny. And then I think about, well, not just Derby, but Wichita. Let's just go Cedric County. And all of a sudden, the number of people I've got influence with is like a speck of sand. And then I think about this country. I think about the 7 billion people on the planet. And I remind myself over and over and over again how tiny we are. That's a very important discipline. But then you know what's mind-blowing about it? God does have his eye on us, folks. Like, even though it's tiny, God actually cares about it. And he's here, and he's working, and he's doing great things. And I can assure you, as long as we learn how to stay little in the sight of God, God will continue to be working and doing great things in our lives. We must learn to become little. And number three this morning, let us commit to working for God in the little things. When we consider how God chooses to advance His kingdom through the little things, then we must be focused and committed to working to do the little things. God typically builds his kingdom in the small things. I want you to think about something for a moment. First of all, I'm not against big events. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying right now. I think we just have to recognize that God doesn't typically do big things in big events. That's all I'm saying. You know, one great example is Winterfest. I think Winterfest is a great event, even though I've never been to it. But I've had people tell me it's a great event, many of you. I don't think there's anything wrong with people getting together, having fun, singing Christian songs, Every now and then, moving into even a true spirit of praise. But you know what? I've never met one person who came from an event like that one, who came back and truly said and then demonstrated, my life was radically changed in that moment. It was there I actually met God. It was there my eyes were opened to the spiritual truths of this book. And I have never been the same since. I'm still waiting. Now, this is not a knock to Winterfest. This is not a knock to Promise Keepers. I used to do the Promise Keepers things, and there was value in Promise Keepers. If you don't know what that was, 
It's a big event where a bunch of men used to get together, tens to 20,000 at a time. And we learned some good things. But here's the irony about even these events. I, the men, I'll talk about men's uh, promise keepers. I, when the very first promise keepers I went to, I went with when I was a young man. I'd only been saved like one year, two years, three years. Very young Christian. You know what was most important and what God did most through promise keepers? It happened in the van with the eight guys I was traveling with. It happened with me spending an entire weekend with older men of God that I could learn from and spend time with where we could have meaningful conversations about the Word of God. It's as if the event, this massive, huge event, was really just to pull together thousands of groups of eight. And when you look at where God's actually doing the work, it is almost always in the little things. How does God bring revival? One soul at a time. How does God change a community? One family at a time. How do we reach this community for Christ? One small work of labor at a time. One neighbor at a time. One co-worker at a time. One, One friend at a time. One family member at a time. That's how we do it. So we have to stay focused into working with God on the little things. So I want to close today with kind of this big picture question of like, where do we go at at the Well Worship Center? How do we move forward? Can I tell you um, that I know, your elders know, we do need more space. We know. We've watched us go basically to 100% capacity, down to 80%, up to 90, down to 85, up to 100, down to 80, up to 95, down to 80, up to 90 for four years now. We know. And I mean this truthfully, like I recognize it's an actual issue, but do you, do you know why I almost never talk about our new building? I truly don't care, and I don't know if that's wrong or not, I'm just being honest with you, I truly don't care. The Bible says this, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Well, the reason you don't hear it come out of this mouth very often, it ain't my heart, folks. I could give two rips less about ever being a church that breaks a 700 barrier or how do we get to 2,000 or being some celebrity pastor. I don't care. And I recognize that the real ministry happens on the small level. It happens in our life groups. It happens in our small prayer meetings. It happens one-on-one. Like, I recognize that. So my real focus is, like, how do we get more of that? How do we get more of that? I'm not real focused on trying to find a way to seat 700 people. And I believe this. I I do think, I really do, I think that one day God's going to open that door and we're going to have a bigger sanctuary and we'll be able to seat more people. And I think that would probably be good for what we're doing here. But I'm just telling you, 
if we're, what we need to focus on is not that. What we need to focus on is doing the little things and doing the little things with excellence and understanding that's what God's focused on. And we have to trust that as we do those little things, God will grow his kingdom. I didn't do this at the first service, but I feel compelled to do it now. I, said, I, I want you to know how Joplin's brain thinks. Sort of. This is the way my brain thinks. I think about expanding the church. I think about what church growth looks like. I don't need an answer from everybody. It's going to get redundant. But if I was to ask, is there any small thing you can do this week that would actually advance the kingdom of God? Obviously, it's going to be small enough. None of us are going to know. It's never going to make the news. You're not going to get no applause. But this week, leading up to Christmas, is there any small thing that you could do that would advance the kingdom of God? What about you guys? What if there's any small thing, just small, little, None of us are ever going to know about it. Nobody's ever going to applaud you for it. Never going to make the news. What about you? Is there anything small you could do? Just something small this week that would advance the kingdom of God. And what about you, sir? What about you? You're going to be with me this week in Juarez, so I got my eyes on you. We're going to see. (laughs) We're going to see. What about you? You got any small thing you could do this week? Just small that could possibly advance the kingdom of God. What about this role? You guys got anything small? Nobody's going to know about it. Nobody's going to applaud you, but something small you could do that would advance the kingdom of God. And what about you? And you, and you, and you, and you, and you guys, and you, and you, and you, and all the way in the back. Now, the answer is obviously, yeah, there's something small each of us could do. Then I ask it this way, so will you do that small thing this week? Whatever that small thing is you could do this week, will you do it? Now, what if all of us did the small thing? What if you did the small thing, and you did it, and you did it, and you did it, and you did it, and you did it? What if all of us did the small thing? This is where we see the church grow and the church expand. This is God's honest design for church growth. You know, but we've been conditioned in our culture to think that God's always looking for the grand slam, the big home run. We've been conditioned in this culture to think if we're going to do something great for God, we've got to figure out some way to rent a stadium and pack out 10,000 people. And the few of us that sort of fit the bill for putting something like that on, sometimes we get duped into believing that that works. And there's and it's so much work, and it's so exhausting, and there's all this effort that goes into it, and somewhere deep inside of us, there's this knowledge of, really, this is just another event. It's just another event. And what I'm telling you, folks, is we as a church, we've got to recognize God sent his son to Bethlehem. That's where the Son of God was born. God's concerned about the little things. And I am 100% convinced if we can elevate the little things, that sounds, that's a strange way to say it, but if we can elevate the little things and celebrate the little things, that's where we're going to see the greatest growth in this church. When we celebrate the small life groups where people are getting together every week and actually taking time to sow into each other's lives, open up the Word of God together and talk about it together and pray together. When we celebrate those that are having the time, taking the time and taking the courage to, to go and serve and to give a little here, give a little there, share their faith, share their testimony, 
the reality is this. We reach this community when we do it one person at a time, and it's in the small things that matter most. So I ask again, what are the little things in your life that God wants to use you in? Let us commit to working for God in the little things. This morning, I'm going to ask our worship team if you guys would get in place. I, I, and I'm going to go ahead and ask our ushers if you guys want to get in place too. We're going to take our offering this morning for uh, the work going on in Mexico. I want us to close with a, a heart of worship this morning. We are, I, we are going to leave space and time up here for you to pray. If God's dealing with your heart, I want you to come. I want you to pray. As we get ready to give, to help with food and clothing and the ministry going on in Mexico, maybe the main thing you need to give this morning is your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and you needed to hear it. There is nobody that's insignificant to God. God cares about you. There is nothing and nobody too little for God. There's nothing you're dealing with that's too little for God to care about. Maybe this morning you need to come and you need to to give some things to the Lord. My hope, though, is that you would be inspired like I have been this week with the truth. It's okay to be little. And God actually focuses on that. We don't need to be the biggest, newest, best, greatest, most attended. We don't need to be anything for God to have His eye on us. We need to be humble. We need to have our minds and our hearts aligned with His. We need to be focused on the little things. I don't know, I was just, I do, I get overwhelmed when I think about how small we are and then I'm reminded God still loves us. Like, that's amazing. There's nothing too little for God.